Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in, What's Right with Nick Wright, episode 200, and this episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you ask me, nothing goes together quite like food and football, especially in the fall. College football on Saturday, the pros on Sunday, and the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card provides the perfect way to earn rewards, whether watching your team with other super fans at a local eatery or in the comfort of your own living room. Earn four times the points when you dine out or have food delivered. Maybe order a big pizza to watch the game on that giant TV of yours. Plus, earn two times the points at grocery stores, which is great if you're tailgating at the stadium with hot dogs and hamburgers. Even getting to the game can be rewarding. You'll earn two times points at gas stations and EV charging stations. Go to usbank.com slash altitude go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend a thousand dollars in the first 90 days of opening your account score big with the u.s bank altitude go visa signature card visit usbank.com slash altitude go to apply limited time offer the creditor and issuer of this card is u.s bank national association pursuant to a license from visa usa incorporated some restrictions may apply all right it is episode 200, really, which means we've done about 220 of these because in our episode count, we don't include that original NBA player ranking series, which at some point we will need to update. Demonze looking dapper for the second straight show because Boy, it's I our think, 200th I think, show. I think Go we ahead, do Demonze. have those episodes incorporated into the number. Oh, we do include those in the overall count. Okay, then this is official. This is our exact 200th episode. I didn't know that. Initially, we didn't. We must have backdated some of the episodes. So, yes, we have now done 200 of these, What's Right with Nick Wright, and we might have a surprise in-studio guest. Uh, We also might not have a surprise in-studio guest as that person's phone is going directly to voicemail as we speak. So maybe they're coming, maybe they're not. Demonze, I think, has some things planned to commemorate the 200th episode. But other than that, we're going to do a straightforward gambling show in the B block, our regular show here in the A's. And where we're going to start is with what missed the cut. And one of the things that missed the cut didn't really miss the cut because we're going to talk about it for a moment. Giannis dropping 64 points on the Pacers. More on that in a moment. Travis Kelsey calls out media over their wide receiver takes. And my take on a third live action Willy Wonka movie. I like the Willy Wonka movies. Let's talk Giannis and the Pacers just for a moment. And then we'll get to the actual game. So... I just got into the most ridiculous argument with Kevin Wilds on the Zoom call for First Things First because Wilds just said flippantly, he was like, I know as part of Giannis' potential anger, he was like, I know Giannis has a ton of money. He's like, but that basketball is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I thought that was maybe the worst sports take of 2023. Maybe got it in right under the wire. That if Giannis was like, you know what, I'm going to auction this ball off for charity. It's the game used ball for my career high that you could get hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think probably 25,000 is maybe the north end of it. Wilds is convinced I'm out of my mind. But that is not the real takeaway. Demonze, here is my takeaway and then I'll get yours and then we'll get into the actual show. I have two takeaways. First one is this. More success for the in-season tournament. What do I mean? Pacers-Bucks is a little rivalry now because of the in-season tournament. They played each other a a couple weeks before the in-season tournament, then they played in the semifinals. Halliburton did the Dame time thing. The Pacers sent him home last night. Giannis plays with, you know, an anger, takes some hard fouls, scores a career high, a Bucks franchise record. So a real rivalry butting that I don't know happens without the semifinal game between these two teams. That's the first point. Here's my second point. 
I think Giannis is pressed right now. I think Giannis is a little anxious and a little uptight about despite being 17 and 7, despite uh, you know, obviously having one of the best games of his career last night. I don't think he feels like this season has gone quite as smoothly as anticipated with the addition of Damian Lillard. I think there's real anxiety about how great the Bucks actually are, whether or not they're even the favorites in the East, let alone in all of the NBA, and I think you're seeing some of that bubble up. What was your takeaway on it? Well, my takeaway was that he's just a giant baby. Um, I think there's been a couple incidents of Giannis throwing tantrums at the end of games. I do get it, but it it seemed like that ball might not have even been taken um, at the end of the game, and there, he was. So, I have not yet fully digested the full Rob Perez, who does a great job with these things. Investigation. He does a tw- twelve minute what he called Wob Wob investigation. Uh, worldwide Wob that is Rob Perez on Twitter. You should check it out. He'll get to the bottom of it, I'm sure. There did seem to be some confusion. Giannis was adamant. I've played with the ball all day. I know what the game ball was. The ball they gave me is not the game ball. The Pacers were trying to get it for a rookie who had never scored a point, except he actually did score a point in the in-season tournament final, but technically those points don't count because the in-season tournament final is like a standalone thing. So the whole thing seems silly and petty. That really, I think, comes from the Bucks being a little pressed. That's my takeaway. Speaking to Monze of people being pressed, Draymond Green. Now we can get into the actual topics of the show. Go ahead. Yeah, so Draymond Green just got suspended indefinitely. He obviously threw the, yeah. the spinning back fist and uh, knocked Nurkic to the ground. He's saying that he doesn't yeah. even have the coordination or accuracy to land something like that. Uh, yeah. uh, I've got a couple of theories on the situation, but are you buying that? Well, and so listen, obviously I'm not buying Draymond's explanation, and obviously the NBA isn't either, and because his explanation is that he needs coordination classes, not therapy, not help. And Kevin Durant came out and said, I hope he gets the help he needs. Nurkic said, I hope he gets the help he needs. And then the Warriors in the NBA came out and said, yeah, he needs help. I actually therapy like what do you mean by anger management something I don't know (laughs) to deal with what but it doesn't jive with his own explanation so I have I most people reacted to this like oh wow Adam Silver in the NBA came down hard on Draymond that was not my reaction because there is I need to see how long the suspension actually is I think it needs to be a minimum of 10 games, and if you tell me it's 15 or 20, I'll listen to that. I won't think that's out of line. So if you want to call it indefinite, I wish Adam Silver had said that it was a minimum of 10 games, you know what I mean, but it will be indefinite. But here is the full statement the NBA released. Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green has been suspended indefinitely for striking Phoenix Sun center Yusuf Nurkic in the face. It was announced Tuesday or today by Joe Dumars, whatever. The outcome takes into account Green's repeated history of unsportsmanlike acts. Green's suspension will begin immediately. He will be required to meet certain league and team conditions before he returns to play. I think that there should have just been an additional line that says the suspension will be a minimum of X amount of games. And I also think that the NBA, they are taking almost the restorative approach. Like, we're worried about Draymond. We want what's best for him. He needs to go through these things. Similar to what they initially did with Ja. The first time there was the gun thing where it's like, you know, he's going to step away and, you know, get the help he needs. At some point, and I know I'm going to sound like an old man, punishments need to be punitive, not just there, not just about becoming a better person. It needs to be, you acted a fool. You could have broken this guy's eye socket. You are in trouble. In addition to the trouble, 
we want to give you a procedure so you are less likely to do this again. But Draymond he's Green is wildly out of control. He's, like he's and Demonze. He's, he's not John. In Moran. the last, in the last fifteen months, he has sucker punched a teammate. He has stomped on Sabonis's chest. He has uh, choked out Rudy Gobert, and he's backfisted Nurkic. I, and I would argue, what do all four of those have in common? The person he hit didn't see it coming. So, yes, I understand Jordan Poole was facing him, but you're with teammates at practice. No matter what you say, you don't think I'm about to get hit. Certainly, Sabonis was not in position to defend himself. He's prone laying on the ground. Gobert wasn't looking at Draymond, and Nurkic was just playing defense. This is like fake, tough guy bull****. And... The Warriors own a lot of this because they didn't, Draymond got in no trouble for the pool thing because ring night, the ceremony was so important. And I just, here's my other question. So right now, Draymond, take out the pool thing. In the last 26 games he's played, he has three overtly violent acts. The stomp, the choke, and the back fist. That's one every nine games. Can't go three weeks of basketball without it. Let's say he gets 15 games. If he does this again, what's the next penalty? If there is another totally, I'm not talking about a hard foul, but totally outside the scope of basketball, a violent act, what is the next penalty? Because I would argue the next penalty is you're done for the year. That that we look at these two incidents this year as first two strikes, and the next one, no matter when and where it happens, if it happens, and at this point, how can anyone think it's not going to happen? Uh, he's just done for the season. And I feel badly for Steph, man. Tell you that much right now. Wiggins hadn't been the same player since the championship. Clay, God love him, is a shell of himself. The young players haven't grown the way you would expect, and Draymond is spiraling out of control, right? All of those things are fair statements, and then you have Steph playing some of the best ball of his life, still, unbelievably, and it is... Yeah, and I'm the right now. I'm looking like, at my phone because I wanted Steph. to check and see. Say it again. It's like do it for Steph, Draymond. You know. Well, like but he can't. People. He can't uh, control himself. This is right. The perfect time am to get am I wrong on that? Something up. Yeah. Go, yeah. Go ahead. Like, no, I was uh, just seeing if Draymond was still that, podcasting. I think that maybe that he's trying to build up a resume so that when uh when the Warriors realize that he's washed, Dana White's seen some moves. That he's put out in the NBA, and maybe he'll pick him up and give him a contract. But well, um, so hold on, real quick. But do you have another theory as well, or you, can I ex- expand on that? Go ahead for a moment. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. So I, I, I mean, you're joking mostly, but as far as Draymond's post career career, he was supposed to have had one lined up, take over for Barkley on Inside the NBA. I think he's putting that in jeopardy. I think that he's not retiring anytime soon. He just signed a four-year, $100 million deal. That's the other part of it. The Warriors are on the hook for all this, right? Four-year, $100 million deal. In five years, if Draymond retires, what will he be most known for? What will that era of NBA fans, when they see Draymond, will they think... The, a key cog of a dynasty or will they think a crazy person and listen he is one of the greatest defensive players ever he is in my opinion the second most important warrior of the dynasty but he's lost the plot and as anyone can tell you in any industry and we've talked about this on the show many times if you are high maintenance 
if you are a problem, if you are constantly a headache, the moment your value starts to drop, people start looking for exit plans. They start trying to be able to pull the ripcord. And I don't know what the Warriors do now because right now, who wants to take on Draymond's deal? Four years, $100 million bucks. They didn't sign Clay. Now, basketball-wise, that looks like a smart decision. Vibes-wise, it might have really messed with Clay. Reportedly, he was offered two years, $48 million extension. He turned it down. I have no idea what type of money Clay Thompson would get right now on the open market. We love Clay, but he can't guard anymore, and he's just not the same guy. Draymond and he is getting a more extended contract than uh, than Clay Thompson. Was that because of Clay's well, injuries? Well, for two reasons. One was Draymond was a true free agent, so Draymond could leave. Clay still had this year left on his deal, so they weren't forced to do it. And Clay Probably. is maybe it's the contract, maybe it's the wear and tear. But Clay last year he was bad in the playoffs, but in the regular season he was good. He was 22 a game, 44% from the field, 41% from three. Better three point, I mean, identical three point percentage to his career average. This year, he's 15 a game, 39% from the field, 34% from three. It looks like it went for him. Warriors in a really rough spot, which is pretty remarkable considering the fact that Steph has been brilliant once again. Steph, 29-5-4 on 47% and 42% from three on 12 threes a game. Just absurd efficiency in numbers for Steph Curry. And one last point on this. Warriors going to mess around and miss the playoffs. They Right now, Demonze, they're the 11 seed, okay? And they're the 11 seed by a wide margin. They're two and a half back of the 10. Here are the teams ahead of them. Minnesota, not going anywhere. OKC, I'm going top to bottom. Not going anywhere. Dallas, not going anywhere. Denver, obviously not going anywhere. The Lakers, not going anywhere. The Kings, maybe. So put a little pin in them. The Rockets, maybe. The Clippers, maybe. And then the Pelicans and Suns, who are only going to get better. So what they need is to survive this next month or however long it's going to be without Draymond, probably make up some ground, and have Kings, Rockets, Clippers fall off. Like, you could see a Warriors team with a healthy Steph Curry miss the playoffs altogether. Just unbelievable. All right, next. All right, there are reports that Belichick and the Patriots are going to split up at the end of the season. Uh, we all know yep. that he's been trying to chase Shula's record. But does, do we have faith in him being this old and him being able to get there? And where do you think that he'd end up if you were to end up on another team next season? So with with the right team, I do think he could get there. So the, the, the underrated part of the Patriots is this last month, they've had the best defense in the NFL despite not having Matthew Judon and despite not having Christian Gonzalez. They lost to the Colts. They allowed 10 points. They lost to the Giants. They allowed 10 points. They lost to the Chargers. They allowed 6 points. They beat the Steelers. They allowed 18 points. The defense has been quite good, and that's Belichick's specialty. Obviously, he should not be picking the players anymore, and obviously the offensive side of the game has kind of passed him by. But... I have the, I'll tell you right now, Demonze, I have the most fun option for him. So we can just go division by division and talk about where there could be openings where he could land, okay? AFC East, the Dolphins are obviously not going to change coaches. The Bills might, the Jets might. I do not think the Patriots would ever trade him to one of those two teams. He hates the Jets. I don't think he wants to go there. And the Bills, if they were to move off of McDermott, they would probably want an offensive-minded head coach. So let's cross out the AFC East. The AFC North, there will be no coaching changes. Ravens, Browns, Steelers, Bengals, 
they people are speculating could Tomlin the the Steelers move on from Mike Tomlin. I think that's crazy, but if they did, they wouldn't go to just, you know, an older defensive coach. They would want to change things up entirely. I don't think there's going to be any coaching changes there. The AFC South definitively will have no coaching changes. Jags, Colts, Texans, Titans, I would think are all thrilled with their coaches. Vrabel, yes, they're having a tough year. They're not moving off Mike Vrabel. He's one of the better coaches in the league, so cross that out. The AFC West, obviously the Broncos and Chiefs are not changing coaches. The Chargers likely will. The Raiders already have. I think both of those franchises are too cheap. Certainly the Chargers are too cheap to... Uh, pay Belichick what he makes, and the Raiders are still paying Gruden and paying McDaniel's, and I don't think Belichick wants Tom Brady to be one of his bosses, so because he's a part owner or wants to be a part owner of the Raiders. So I think we can cross out the whole AFC. Before I go to the NFC, go ahead, go ahead, Demonze. Go ahead. Um, no, it well, looked like you wanted to say something about something I said. If you oh don't, yeah, don't no, it. it was when you said something about the Chargers. I was thinking about Belichick going to the Chargers. But you said something I, about them being cheap. I, listen, I get that. I think that would be a good fit, and he'd have a quarterback, but I don't think the Spanos family's going to pay him. So now we go right. to the NFC East. Giants, Eagles, Cowboys are not changing their coaches, but what I will tell you is galaxy brain take by Nora Princiati that I heard this morning on the Ringer NFL show. She said, what if the Cowboys have just a devastating, mortifying playoff defeat. Could Jerry Jones be like, screw it, I'm firing McCarthy? And would Belichick work there? Absolutely he would. The offense is already built. You could, like, I don't think McCarthy's going to get fired. I don't think the Cowboys are going to have a mortifying playoff defeat. But that's Nora Princiati's uh, kind of hypothetical that I thought was super intriguing, but let's just assume they're not firing Mike McCarthy. They're going to win 13, 14 games this year. Washington is definitely moving off Ron Rivera. Would Bill Belichick want to go there? Very similar spot as New England, where all of a sudden you're in a really tough division. You don't have a quarterback. So I'm crossing them off. The NFC North, the only team that's going to fire their coach potentially is the Bears. The Bears are going to draft Caleb Williams. You want an offensive-minded head coach that can pair with Caleb Williams for the next decade, not a defensive-minded head coach who's the second-oldest coach in the league. The NFC West, I don't think any of those teams are firing their coaches. The Cardinals just hired Jonathan Gannon. The other three teams like their coaches. So that leaves us the NFC South, where all four teams could be firing their coaches. Carolina, Belichick is not going to go work for that owner with that quarterback situation. New Orleans, Belichick, again, they don't have a quarterback, and also Belichick has been better than any GM ever, essentially, at making sure your cap situation isn't screwed up. The Saints' cap situation is perpetually screwed up. Cross them off. So now we're down to two teams. Atlanta could be intriguing. The offensive weapons are already there. The defense is overachieving this year. It's a winnable division, but you don't have anyone even adjacent to the quarterback in the building. So that then leaves the single most fun option, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you remember when Baker was coming out of school, it was rumored The Patriots liked him. Furthermore, they have cleaned up their cap situation entirely. It is a winnable division. And last and certainly not least, what is the only way Bill Belichick could theoretically totally even the who won the divorce with Tom Brady if he also goes to Tampa Bay and wins. They're going to need a coach. They've got players on defense. They have, you say what you want about Baker, he's definitely the best quarterback in the division. They have offensive weapons. I'm that is. I'm not saying that's going to happen. What I'm saying is that's the most fun option. 
And I think Bill Belichick still has his fastball defensively. I like the idea of it. That is certainly, from a storyline perspective, the best. You stay on the East Coast. It's a quick trip to your house in Cape Cod. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bill Belichick, collision course. Make it happen. That's my answer. You playing your Go flag ahead. there? So Not the, planning my flag, but surveying potential flag real estate as a fun <laughs> okay. option. All right, next. All right, uh, so this NFL season has been plagued by injuries, especially at the quarterback position. It's week 15, yep. and more than half of the NFL has resorted to a second-string quarterback. And the NFL, all the while, is saying that they're heading to Brazil. They're trying to expand on the globe. So what's the bigger story this season? Would it be the injuries and the lack of good quarterback play? Or would it be the NFL's expansion? Well, uh, the NFL, you know, playing a game in Brazil, eight international games, they're just flying right towards my idea that I pitched to Roger Goodell on television in the first week of First Things First that he seemed not that interested in, but now they are clearly going to steal from me, which is my idea of NFL International Week. I tweeted out the clip of me doing it uh, on Colin Coward's show back when I had a shaved head and wore fake glasses uh, seven years ago, but it is a very straightforward idea. Every team has eight home, eight road games. We now, every team has a 17th game anyway. It is neutral site for everyone, and you have an additional bye week, which not only pushes the Super Bowl back a week to where the Monday after the Super Bowl is President's Day, but everyone either on the front end or the back end of their international game has a bye, so that way you can deal with the travel and the jet lag. And the concept behind NFL International Week is there are two or three games Monday through Sunday, and depending on the time zone they're in, is when you are when you determine you know when the games are going to be played. But you could have a 3 p.m. Eastern and a 6 p.m. Eastern game every single day of the week or something similar for the time zones that that doesn't work in. You would do either the the kind of later night games or the earlier morning games on the weekends and every and you could sell each game as a standalone national TV window. We'd have football on seven days a week all across the globe. It's a brilliant idea. If you go to my Twitter, you can see it more fully fleshed out. Uh, and the NFL is going to go there eventually. So it's not that that's a bigger story. It's just that it was my idea, and eventually it's going to come to fruition. <laughs> now, now to the quarterback stuff. Um, it is not a coincidence that if you look at the NFL right now, what every single division leader has in common is they are among the handful of teams who have had the same starting quarterback Every game this year. The AFC East. Two teams have had different quarterbacks. Two teams have had the same. Dolphins, Bills, same quarterback every game. They're first and second. Jets, Patriots, quarterback issues and injuries. Go to the AFC North. You have the team in first place. Baltimore, Lamar's been there all year. Cleveland, four different quarterbacks. Pittsburgh, two different quarterbacks. Cincinnati, two different quarterbacks. Go to Jacksonville, who's in first place. The Jags, Trevor, has played every single game. Indy, one different quarter or two different quarterbacks. Houston's had the same quarterback all year, but he got in it. The reason they're not tied for first, potentially, is because he got knocked out this week, got concussed, and he might miss a game. The Titans have had to change quarterbacks. Go to the AFC West. The Chiefs, the same quarterback all year. They're in first place. The Broncos, the same quarterback all year. They're in second place. The Chargers, they just lost their quarterback. The Raiders had to change their quarterback. Go to the NFC East. Dak and Jalen have been there every single game. The Giants lost their quarterback. Washington, they've had the same quarterback, but he's been bad. Sam Howell's one of the only guys who I think has played every game in the team's in last place. Go to Detroit. Goff's been there all year after that. Uh, you have the Vikings. Kirk Cousins got hurt. Green Bay, they've had Jordan Love all year, to be fair. And then the Bears, they obviously Fields mistimed. Go to Tampa. 
Baker in first place. He's played every game this year. Atlanta's had to change quarterbacks. New Orleans had to change quarterbacks. Carolina desperately wishes they could change quarterbacks, but they can't because they drafted him number one overall. Go to the NFC West. Brock Purdy has played every game this year. Go The Rams, second place. Stafford missed, a, missed time. G&O missed time this week. The Cardinals have had multiple different quarterbacks. So... We spent a lot of time analyzing, breaking down, figuring out the NFL. Some of it is, is your quarterback upright all year? You're going to be okay. Unless he's Bryce Young, evidently. Like, if your quarterback's upright all year, you're just going to be in the mix. Every single first place team is among the handful of teams that have had the same quarterback all year, and most second place teams are in a similar boat. It's as simple as that. And I know and that is why as much as we might hate it, the NBA is or the NFL is going to go above and beyond to try to protect quarterbacks because it can just wreck your entire season if these guys have to miss time. That's pretty yeah. shocking, isn't it, Demonze? Just how the yeah, standings line it. up exactly with a is your quarterback percent. been available the whole the year? The Bears might have been helped out a little bit by Justin Fields being out for a couple games. Well, he yeah, seems listen, to be on some the up of, and up these days, I will say. Up and up now, correct. Better. Some of these teams, no doubt about it, like with or without. And, you know, the Patriots, Mac didn't get hurt. He just got benched. But, <laughs> right. you know, so there's, no, there's certain no, it was spots very, It was like very that. consistent throughout the throughout the divisions, though. Every division, top to bottom. Yeah. It's just quarterback health, basically. So All right, gotta, next. I, uh, oh, so one quick question. Do you think that the uh, – Yeah. Do you think that the travel will make the injury problem a little bit worse? No, I don't know why it would. And you get the – again, so what I'm proposing is – that you your if you did my NFL International week Monday through Sunday, if your games are Monday through Friday, basically, your extra bye week comes the week before. So you would have almost two you know what I mean? You would have you wouldn't be playing the previous week. And so you would have full time to prepare and get acclimated. And if your game is Friday through Sunday, your extra bye week would come after. So you you know does that make sense? So you would have time to rest and recuperate after. And an extra bye week, in and of itself, would naturally make uh I think lower the injury rate. I don't think guys are more injured in international games. Guys are more injured in short week games. And I think this could help eliminate that. All right, let's do LeBron versus Wimby. All right. So uh one guy disappointed last night, one guy did not. The guy that didn't disappoint disappointed? Go by the name of uh Victor Wimbanyama. Uh he dropped thirty okay. and fourteen, uh, but in yeah. the Spurs eighteenth straight loss, unfortunately. Yeah. But LeBron James, on the other hand, sat out. He yeah. didn't play yesterday. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't play yeah. in the game. Uh, do you have any? I, I know you're probably going to uh, say that he just won the end season tournament, the first ever. He deserves a sit. But do you find? Do you have any problem with LeBron sitting this game out? With it being Wimby, no, a I, new generational talent. No, I have the. So I have two problems. Uh, I have a problem that LeBron played on Tuesday. Uh, against the Mavs. <laughs> no, I'm dead. Let I'm dead. I'm totally serious, guys. The guy's played sixty eight thousand minutes. He's played more minutes than Bird and Magic's careers put together. He he's played more minutes than Michael and Giannis's careers put together. Like the the, the I my real issue is this: the NBA, I believe, should have had the foresight to have a good inclination that LeBron might take the in-season tournament super seriously because the NBA wanted him to and wanted him to be the ambassador for it, and then putting two marquee games right after the in-season tournament on the Lakers' schedule was idiotic. Having LeBron versus Luka be a national TV game, and I know you could be like, well, what if the Lakers don't make the in-season tournament finals? Then great, you can still play LeBron versus Luke on national TV anytime all year. And LeBron versus Wimby coming right after that, it's just poor planning. Like, you, the 
if there was ever going to be a time of the year that your oldest player in the league, who is still your biggest draw, was going to play playoff minutes, it was going to be in the in-season tournament. And so then putting, I said last week on TV that if the Lakers make the in-season tournament final, LeBron should take the following week off. And I totally meant it. Like, it is an extra game. The in-season tournament final is an 83rd game of the year for the Lakers, but also LeBron was going to go full playoff mode because it's what the NBA wanted, and he is the best ambassador the league's ever had, and it and give it real playoff intensity. And so... No, I've no. I, it's a shame that he didn't play against the Spurs, but it's also a shame that the Lakers correctly assumed we won't. We stink without LeBron, but we won't need him against the Spurs. And now that was a 18-point game going into the fourth quarter. It was a 12-point game with four minutes left. The Spurs had a furious rally at the end and ended up making a game out of it. AD was excellent and overcame it. Uh, and the Lakers were able to escape with a win. But I, my bigger issue is, because Wimby was excellent last night, and he's been playing really well as of late. You cannot convince me it is good for the development of Victor Wimbanyama for this team that started 3-2 and two to now be 3-20. and 20. That they have, for this team... To be so punting on any type of competitiveness, I, I it's not good for his development, flatly. And Victor has been better than I thought he would be on the offensive end. I thought he'd be excellent to begin with on the defensive end, and he's doing that. But they don't have a point guard, and for them to just be totally uncompetitive, and also it's embarrassing for the league, DeMonte. What's going on with that, the no point guard thing? <laughs> I, I don't understand it. crazy. Um, it, but it is embarrassing for the league that the Spurs are on an 18-game losing streak, and it is not the longest active losing streak. That the Pistons have lost 21 in a row. <laughs> and you should not have three expansion-caliber teams in a non-expansion year. But the Wizards, the Pistons, and the Spurs, DeMonze, are a combined 8-62. and 62. The Wizards, the Pistons, and the Spurs are a combined 8-62. and 62. And then Portland, Memphis, and Charlotte are not that much better. Memphis, hopefully, when Ja gets back, they'll be competitive, but they're probably going to be out of it. Like, that's the other underrated storyline of this NBA season. Is Ja's suspension, I think, cost the Grizzlies the whole year. They're just cooked. The, the, the Grizzlies are 6-17. and 17. So Jaws got two games left on the suspension. Those games are against Houston and then at OKC. So their best case scenario is they're seven and eighteen when he comes back. They're probably going to be six and nineteen when he comes back. And then his first game back is a back to back for his teammates, not for him. He'll be as fresh as can be in New Orleans, and then they host Indiana. It is absolutely on the board that the Grizzlies start this season seven and twenty or six and twenty-one, and they're just dead. I mean, it's six and seventeen, they're probably dead, and it's just a shame. All right, our gambling show where I got absolutely unequivocally screwed last week, and we'll discuss if there should be an official record adjustment. Demonte didn't get screwed except for just trusting his gut on his teasers. That screws him every week. We'll discuss it all next. What's right? Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel.
The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm considering Airbnb-ing out your sister's room, not your baby sister, your older sister, even though she's here. She's back for Christmas. Uh, (laughs) And that's because, uh, you know, jet lag or whatever. She was supposed to be our special guest. But um, she overslept. So episode two hundred, no scoop, no deal. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you thought that was a coin flip. What do you mean? It's eleven fifteen here. She the the. (laughs) I mean, it's not. It's. I understand. And where you are, it's early in the morning. Yeah, that's eleven fifteen here. I just text her during the break a sad emoji, and she texts me back, you should have woken me up. I was like, well, <laughs> I tried, but your phone went straight to voicemail. Like, give me a break. All right. Speaking of things I need a break on, I got really, really screwed last week. So let's discuss it. Last week, the record, 1-3-1. and one. So the Rams, plus 7.5 at Baltimore, never a doubt. That was a winner. That was a great, and by the way, now I'm four games under 500 on the season. Houston minus three and a half against the Jets. I was squeamish about it once because we knew Tank Dell was out when I made the bet. Once uh, Nico Collins also went down, I thought I might be in trouble. But when C.J. Stroud gets knocked out of the game with a concussion, I am just ruined with no chance about it. Now, where the Texans got to feel sick is they made Zach Wilson look like a real quarterback, but that's a loss. That was I was on the square side of that. I'll deal with it. The Raiders plus three against Minnesota. There's two ways to look at this. One is I bet on a team that scored zero points and got a push. That is a little fortunate. The other way to look on it, at it is I bet on a team l- getting three points they allowed three total points, and I didn't get a win. And so, like, we have had in back-to-back weeks uh, almost unprecedented gambling moments because we had a Patriots-Chargers game where the Chargers were favored by five and a half, scored six, <laughs> and covered, and we had a Vikings-Raiders game where the Vikings were favored by three, scored three, and got a push out of it. So I don't know if I got lucky or unlucky there. But then the last two. Chiefs minus one and a half against Buffalo. I deserved to win. It was covering when the stadium was going crazy and Kadarius Tony had scored a touchdown to go up threes pending four. Uh, with a minute left, I'll tell you for goddamn sure it was covering then. Oh, the, oh yeah, uh, 2023. The, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, it was certainly covering in that moment. You smart ass. Uh, but I take the loss there, and unlike watching Chiefs, unfortunately, unlike watching Chiefs Packers at Lil Wayne's house in L.A., where I can't you know, live bet the Chiefs at every moment. I watch Chiefs Bills all alone in my own house, and I could live bet them at any given moment, and that didn't go great. And then there's the one that really sticks in my craw. Seattle, plus 10.5 at the Niners, that I gave a brilliant explanation as to why I was taking Seattle. They were going to be able to keep it close adjacent. It's a divisional game. All of these things. And then, Geno Smith gets ruled out after my pick is locked. I have to deal with Drew Lockett quarterback. They still keep it close. The line moves to 14 and a half. They lose by 13, and I get a loss. A loss! Now, some people would say, no, give yourself the closing line, which was 14 and a half, and call it a win. I will not say that. I will recover despite the wild unfairness of it. In my heart, I'll know that in a more just world, the Raiders cover the plus three outright since they only allowed three points. I get the the Seahawks plus the closing line, and the Chiefs don't have, uh, you know, the NFL equivalent of being thrown in jail for going thirty six and a thirty five. And I have a four and one week. 
And instead of being 32, 36, and 1, I am 35. Uh, I'm sorry, instead of being 32, 36, and 2, I am 35, 34, and 1, and back over 500. But I'll take the loss. Monte, let's like get to this. Tweet. But, um, <clears throat> oh, shut up. So for, let's first get to the off, tw- let's get to the tweets. You've got te- you've got Tampa Bay <clears throat> plus three and a half at Green Bay. Yeah, I just the this one's very very simple. I think Tampa Bay can win this game outright. I certainly don't think the Packers are blowing them out. The Bucks play close games. I like how Baker's playing. He has been incredibly clutch lately this season, really, with these late game drives, whether they're for backdoor covers or for wins. And Green Bay is on a shorter week because of the Monday night. And to me, it's very concerning losing the game they did against the New York Giants. For all those reasons, the Bucks plus three. This is, to me, a 20-17 to 17 game in either direction. And I'm getting a full, not only a full three, a full three and a half. I'll take the Bucks plus three and a half. Next. Uh, next, you got the Giants plus six at New Orleans. Yeah, the, the, the Dennis Allen Derek Carr combo should not be six point favorites over anyone except for maybe Carolina. And I know, listen, I'm not buying in to the Giants hype, but Dable versus Dennis Allen is a massive coaching mismatch. The Giants' biggest weakness is the quarterback spot, but at least his teammates like him, while the Saints seem to be rebelling against Derek Carr. And I'm getting six points. Like, why? Why would I think the Saints? are going to beat anyone by a touchdown. Dennis Allen at home against the spread is historically bad, and I just, I flatly don't buy the idea that this Saints team is going to take care of business in a way where they win by multiple scores. The Giants, on the other hand, Dable's going to have them convinced we win this game, we could make the playoffs. Now, they can't and they won't, but that's going to be their mind frame going into the game. New Orleans does not deserve to be a six-point favorite over anyone in the league except for Carolina, so I'll take the six points uh, and, and think the Giants might be able to win outright. Next. Vegas, you messed up. All right, Miami minus eight and a half uh, versus the Giant, the Jets. Sorry. All right, we just saw this game played. I understand it was against Tim Boyle, but we just saw on Black Friday Miami run roughshod over the Jets in New York. Now I'm laying less than ten points for a Dolphins team that unequivocally must win this game. the The Dolphins after this game. They have Cowboys, Ravens, Bills to end the season. If the Dolphins want to have any breathing room, if they want to make sure that that Week 18 game against a Buffalo team that already crushed them is not potentially for the division, then they absolutely need to win this game. Also, Miami, when they win, I don't want to say they always blow people out because Week 1 of the season... They were, they didn't, they beat the Chargers by two and they beat the Patriots just by seven. But since then, they beat the Broncos by 50, they beat the Giants by 15, they beat the Panthers by 21, they beat the Patriots by 14, they beat the Jets by 21, they beat the Commanders by 30. That Yes, they only beat the Raiders by seven in what was kind of a sloppy game for them, but that was also a game they were up seven going into the fourth and then nobody scored a point. They kind of stalled out there. I just think this is a... And I know that the Jets' defense has played well, but I don't think, I think Tyreek's going to play and be fine. I know he's listed as day-to-day. This is a bounce-back spot for Miami that really gave a game away against the Titans. This feels to me like a 27-10, to 31-10 type of game. Also, the next time Zach Wilson plays two good games in a row will be the first time since his last season at BYU. This is a Miami blowout spot. And I'm only laying eight and a half. What was, I'm going to check real quick. What was the Dolphins Jets line the first time they played when they played in New York? Hold on. I think I can find that right here. Are you making that up or you know it? I was making it up, but I think it was seven and a half. Okay. Nine and a half. 
Maybe it opened at seven and a half and moved to nine and a half. Who knows? Like maybe that was with the Tim Boyle news. I'm not sure. But it was Miami was only one point bigger fate. This I don't understand. Miami was a nine and a half point favorite in New York. They are now an eight and a half point favorite in Miami. We think that much more highly of the Jets because they played one good offensive game against the Texans, and we think that much more lowly of the Dolphins because they played a bad game against the Titans. That line is way off to me. All right, next. Next, you've got Dallas plus one and a half at Buffalo. Yeah, Dallas is a great team, and Buffalo just occasionally looks like one. Like, here's the thing. What is the last time the Bills played a great four quarters? I can tell you. Week four against Miami. Now, you can say this is an indictment on the Chiefs. The Bills didn't play that well in that game. The Chief, They won anyway, and the, you can say, again, that can be a, sta- a testament about the trouble the Chiefs might not be might be in. But the Bills played awesome for the first quarter and a half and then hung on for deal, dear life, butchered the clock at the end, and gave up what would have been an all-time embarrassing way to lose if not for the refs stepping in the way of it. Dallas, on the other hand, is rolling, and Dallas right now, it in a weird way, needs the game as much as Buffalo because Dallas knows their only hope of hosting any playoff games, of winning the division, of maybe being the one seed, is running the table. And then they need Philly to uh, trip up at one point along the way. So I'm getting points for the better team with the quarterback playing at an MVP level that is rolling against a Bills team that, again, I know everyone right now is all of a sudden all over the Bills. But they, the fact of the matter is this, that they didn't play well in the second half against the Chiefs the week before, and that was coming off a bye with the Chiefs injured, Whoa. all of those things going in their favor. What? What's up, DeMond? I'm just now realizing that I'm, this whole time, Buffalo is favorite in this game. That's really yes. crazy. That's yes. Like, I, was just, I was just looking at that as minus one and a half the entire time. But yeah, I think Vegas got this one wrong, like. Just, just well, here's me. the thing. Vegas and the betting public love the Bills. They have for years, man. Vegas and the betting public love the Bills. I just think they're wrong. But uh, the, the Bills played, you know what, that's not fair. The Bills played a really good game against Tim Boyle and the Jets a few weeks ago. But since that Dolphins game in week four, when the Bills got to three and one, here's what they've done. Lost to the Jags in London escaped against the Giants. Remember that game where the Giants got the ball down to the five-yard line at the end and then they Mm -hmm. didn't call the DPI or whatever? Lost to the Patriots. Escaped against the Bucs. That's the game the Bills had sewn up. The Baker made a late comeback and then they threw the Hail Mary that Godwin didn't turn around on. Lost to the Bengals. Had a mortifying loss to the Broncos. Played great against the Jets to their credit found a way to lose against the Eagles, and then escaped against the Chiefs. One other stat. In the entire McDermott-Josh Allen era, as long as we acknowledge the Chiefs and the Cowboys are both going to go to the playoffs, this stat applies. The Buffalo Bills have never won games in consecutive weeks against playoff teams. Never. Now, some of that is you don't always play playoff teams in back-to-back weeks. You haven't had, like, you know, 30 opportunities, but it's never happened. I'll take the Cowboys to win outright. And last one. You got Jacksonville plus three and a half versus Baltimore. Yeah, I, I mean, the Jags are at home, and I'm getting three and a half, and they need the game. And Trevor will be healthier than he was last week. And Baltimore, even if they're dominating the game, Baltimore will let people back into games. Now, Lamar played awesome against the Rams. Awesome against the Rams. I give him credit. The defense didn't, but he did. But I am getting a... I think ja- I think Baltimore is a little bit better than Jacksonville. I do think they are the better team. But they're on the road, and they're laying three and a half. The Jags gotta have the game. The Ravens do have a game to play with, uh in the thanks to what's happened to Miami and Kansas City, I like Jacksonville in this spot. I think Jacksonville can win the game outright. 
if they are if I'm wrong on that and the Ravens are up big late, the Ravens like to let teams back into it. I'm getting three and a half. I'll take the Jags plus three and a half. Think Trevor will be a little bit healthier. And it's December, so I imagine we'll get the news report around, you know, that like we did around this time last week, that Lamar has the flu again. And so he might not, you know, he might have to miss a day of practice because he gets his, you know, annual cold because Lamar's immune system is the worst of any pro athlete <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. So th- there's my picks for the Wait. week. We, uh, look it up, Demonte. This dude gets sick more than anyone I've ever seen in my life. Tampa plus three and a half. Giants plus six. Miami minus eight and a half. Dallas plus one and a half. Jacksonville plus three and a half. Taking four dogs and one favorite that I expect to absolutely roll. We don't. E- I don't even know that we have to recap your teaser from last week. It was bad in every way imaginable. <laughs> uh, you teased across the zero. I told you not to. You lost on it. Uh, you teased the Niners minus four. I guess good job. And Dat and Philly, after ruining you in a teaser the exact same format the previous week, ruined you in a teaser that format in the exact same way the next week. So what are we doing this week? All right. So this is the two hundredth episode, obviously. Um, so yeah. for the two hundredth episode, we are going to bring it into probably the saddest segment in our podcast history. You're quitting. Um. Yeah, so this is this is the death to my teasers. I know we thought this was going to be a celebration for the 200th episode, but this is probably more like a eulogy. Uh, yeah, I mean, 200's also never been impor- important in sports. I'm going to read you off a couple of stats. I'm actually not going to read you off yeah. a couple of stats. I'm abandoning that. Um, but yeah, dude. Okay. So that that's the end of the teaser. Uh, we're done with that. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I just... <laughs> I can't. I mean, I can't. I can't continue to do this to myself. I think that I need to. Uh, I, mean, you went two I don't want to. S- <laughs> you went two and twelve. I mean, you I really the Detroit Pistons I really, of the teasers. I came into and this season so thinking confident. that it was going to be light because I placed maybe like three teasers at the end of the football season last year. I'm not gonna lie, one of them hit yeah. in the three, but. The other two, I missed a leg, like one leg out of like That's the funniest. I got to tell you, that's the funniest part of Demonze's confidence coming into the year on the teasers. It was totally unearned. It's not like he had this crazy hot streak. He bet, I know, I remember this. He bet three, he only won one. And he was like, I've got the teaser thing down. Like, don't you worry about me. I'm like, okay, buddy. Like, if you say so. I, I didn't I didn't quite get it, but I listen. But it was I'm it was in the playoffs. I feel like I should get more like more of a vig or like juice for like hitting a teaser. No, and but that's fair. And by the way, it's a shame because there is a you know what I'm gonna take over. So, uh, I'm I'm taking over for you. Three Ooh, team this, six this point teaser allowed. right now. Right now, three team six point teaser. The Chiefs. From minus eight and a half to minus two and a half in New England. The Cowboys from plus one and a half to plus seven and a half against the Bills. And the Dolphins from minus eight and a half to minus two and a half against the Jets. Those follow every teaser rule, Demonze. They cross every key number. We get massive value on all accounts. That teaser locked in. You know what? I'll place it on your behalf as a Christmas present. The I, the I'll play I'll take something that I was gonna get you for Christmas. I'm taking that money aside. I'm gonna place it, this teaser on your behalf instead. Happy Chris, Merry Christmas, buddy. I I appreciate it, pops. I've uh I've got a teaser like logged in my phone. You just quit. Yeah, I but did just, just quit. But quit. like, it's gonna be it's gonna be that imaginary teaser versus your teaser, and it's not. So okay. imaginary, it's it's already placed. So we can we can go head to head on that. Okay. And see who's All really right. What's the, the offer this king. week? All right. So it's time for the offer, uh, the week fifteen offer. You know, Kansas City obviously doesn't cover big spreads, but it's impossible for them to lose to the Patriots, or you would think. Uh, Chiefs won. Uh, Chiefs to win by one, by one and six points, or one through six points is plus three twenty. Do you accept that offer? No, I don't accept the offer. Uh, I I think the Chiefs absolutely could blow out the Patriots. Also, this reminds me that that ridiculous call in Chiefs-Bills cost me the offer from last week of plus 550. It was the Chiefs to beat the Bills, and it was the Lakers to win the in-season tournament. 
God, dog, it that makes it even more frustrating. Quick break, right back. What we answer your questions in the chat. What's right? What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. All right, Demonze. Uh... Let, let's go ahead and get to some of these chat questions before I got to go. All right, so I've got a question before the chat. Uh, do you have yeah. a, a favorite moment from the last 100 episodes of the pod? A single There's too many favorite moments moment to think of. From the last 100 episodes of the pod. I don't have a singular one, but I I really enjoy the times when like I go on uh random rant and it is like you are f- really into it like when i'm making you authentically laugh and you don't know what i'm going to say those are my favorite <laughs> moments like cuz i can see it and it kind of like encourages me so those are my favorite hey, moments all right next a, n- a note on that it's really funny that uh <clears throat> i see some tweets or replies to pod clips and people are like Oh, and Demonze's trying to ha-ha himself into a raise and stuff. And like, oh, he's, he's laughing too hard and it's disingenuous. I promise, dude. Uh, I think I think you can actually see when, um, and it's probably a flaw of mine, but when I'm not amused, I feel like it's very obvious. So when yes. I am laughing, it is it is genuine. It's real. I promise. Also, uh, uh, also Demonze's been do a raise for this podcast for the entire time the podcast has existed. <laughs> It's right around the corner. I promise you, pal. All right, next. Uh, Nico Dragonich said, uh, question for Nick. The season, ends today, uh, the season ends today. What moves would you want Kansas City to make for the postseason? All right, so uh, I that's impossible to answer because I still think the Chiefs are going to play in the Super Bowl. Now, if I'm wrong need to be some significant moves on the offensive side of the ball. They also, Legereus Sneed and Chris Jones are pending free agents, and that's going to be tough. But I'm I'm not doing a, a lot of season to go, guys. There's four weeks left. That used to be 25% of the year. Now it's like 22% of the year. A uh, lot, to- lot of football left to be played. And given the Dolphins loss on Monday, I'm also still not even certain the Chiefs aren't going to end up hosting their sixth straight AFC title game. So let's just pump the brakes on what changes need to be made because if they are the two-time defending Super Bowl champions, you probably aren't going to want to make many changes. Next. Uh, Tasso uh, Markopoulos has a question for me. Nick's go-to explicitive on TV seems expletive. I've never said that word out loud. Yeah. Expletive on TV seems to be God dog it. Uh, uh, can you confirm that he says that in real life or is it just for TV? Um, I can confirm he says that in real life. It's, I've heard him. He says God dog it all the yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I the, so the thing is this. I, us, I used to always say the profane version of that, but you can't say that on TV, and that's the one curse that really bothers uh, Demonze's mom. Grant. And oh. so, no, 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 your mom. And so I, so I, I just say God dog it. Uh, and so that's why. But go ahead. Michael asked Nick, 
do you uh how do you suggest someone study modern poker theory well you know it's so funny there is a great book called modern poker Ther- theory called by michael is it acevedo hold on let me get it or, or michael yeah michael acevedo uh it's dense but it is discernible and if you just kind of work your way through it that gives you the building blocks of what is modern poker theory which again that's another podcast for another day whether i think some people have gotten way worse at poker by trying to implement these game theory optimal principles that they're not equipped to rather than playing the way they previously were. But if you really want to take the leap into that style of poker, that is the best book to start with. Um, All right, last one. Mad King Chad said, hashtag bring back book club. Maybe after the NFL season, I didn't execute book club properly. I wasn't like diligent with making sure we did it i didn't know we, i need to like figure out how other people do book clubs in this format because me just like doing 20 minute recaps of the chapters is not interesting so maybe we could do it but i need to figure out how to better execute it Demonze, you've done it you did a great job for at least 155 of these 200 episodes today was one of them i appreciate you you, you keep up the great work sweater looks great <laughs> Uh, hopefully on Monday, Dior is here as well. She doesn't stand us up and oversleep. And everybody, have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you guys on TV later today at 3 o'clock on First Things First. Hey, it's Nick Wright. Thank you so much for watching. Please do us a favor. Click subscribe. It helps my ego. And Demonze's got a financial bonus writing on a number of YouTube subscribers. So help him out. And also, click the bell. I don't know what the bell does, but they tell me to tell you to click the bell. And your audio listeners, people that have commutes, drives, whatever it is, subscribe to the podcast as well, wherever you get the podcast. Same show, just, you know, just in your ears instead of through your eyes. All that. Check it out. Appreciate y'all.